This is the AI Artifacts Podcast. I'm your co-host, Brian Warmoth, with Sarah Luger, PhD, and we are back again to go beyond the hype, under the hood, and into the fray to see what's happening in AI this week. Welcome back. This is the AI Artifacts Podcast. I'm Brian, and I'm here with my wonderful co-host. Hello, this is Sarah Luger. <laughs> it's good to see you. We have a special <laughs> episode today, which we'll get into later in the in the other half, but we're going to do a little overview today of the GAMAMs, formerly known as GUFAMs, also known in some circles as the GAMMAs, I understand. We're going to look at some of the big tech companies and what their strategies are, because we talk about this on a one-by-one basis periodically. We thought it'd be useful for everybody listening to get a up-close look at exactly what these companies are doing. Um, we're talking about Gamams. We're talking about we're talking about Google Alphabet. We're talking about Amazon. We're talking about Facebook Meta. We're talking about Apple and of course Microsoft. So we'll get into that later. Sarah, how's your week been? Good. I also would like to note that I like Gamma. <laughs> gamma seems to be a little bit more fun. I think I'm going to adopt that in my own vocabulary. Yeah. I'm with you. It's the most elegant. I think yeah. gamam makes sense because people are used to saying gafam in so many circles for for so long that it might be the most intuitive for somebody to hear now in 2024 and know what's being talked about but gamma if you were to do this from the ground up and rebuild that acronym i think you're right gamma is the gamma. best choice so we can we can say gamma. so moving we're gonna move this podcast is pro gamma we're gonna put that in our style guide. we're pro gamma yeah Exactly. So we're going to do a little bit of scene setting with what Gamma is up to right now. Did you, I, I sent you this link, I know, I, and it was paywalled, but did, did you ever get access to that New York Times piece? There was an interactive this weekend on AI generated faces, and it's a quiz that you can go yeah, through. Yeah, no, I did not. I, I got actually deep on the Samsung AI, yeah. generative AI release, which I'm quite yeah. excited about. Yeah. As well, we'll talk about that in a second. Admit, I'm, I'm more excited than I should be. Yeah. But I did not, although I've read that most most a couple people I, I know said that they got it best 40% correct. I was so bad. So. I was really shocked at how bad I was doing it. I think I got two correct in the entire in the entire test. This, these were what percent this, is that? Yeah, it was for, for anybody listening. I'll, I'll include a link in the show notes. But there's a series of photos, AI generated and real photos, sort of like what we do in Two Truths and Lay AI, exactly. only visually with faces. They took, they took your idea. Yeah, they yeah. took it. We can say yeah. that. We can say that. Yeah, yeah, so, safely. You clearly, clearly, they're 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 right. listeners of the podcast at the New York Times. <laughs> I would like to think that. Sure, I love the but narrative. It, yeah, it's it's tough though because I think what they did in this test was they they used some like glam glammed up photos using traditional means that did look a little AI like, and it was striking how you could look at these and think for a moment: is this put through a filter? Is this just somebody with a lot of makeup on or is this a fake face that just lacks some texture Uh, in some places? And I'm really bad at making that judgment call, it turns out. Yeah. And and if you're not using these filters or optimization tweaks on your own photos, if you are not an influencer, if you are not 16 and you've gone deep on how to really identify, you know, Mariah Carey always talks about her best side. You know, if you haven't mm-hmm. figured this out, Brian, yeah. uh, you might not be aware of how manipulated real human photos are. So 
one of the challenges is not just, is this a real person, but is this a real person within the look and feel of an app today? And is this a completely contrived person? Yeah. That's hard. Yeah, it is. And it's getting harder by the day, more difficult by the day. Well, let's get into news for the week. And I know you put some time into this and you're probably one of the best suited people for discussing this topic that I, who I know personally. So Samsung announced some new features for its upcoming Galaxy S24 phones. Uh, The most compelling to me was this real-time translation option, right? I'm reading, I'm going to read some segments from the, the Washington, excuse me, the Wall Street Journal article about this. It said, uh, for the first time in a while, Samsung isn't selling specs, it's selling software. And also says it's worked with Google and chipmaker Qualcomm to weave generative AI features in what it calls Galaxy AI throughout the Android operating system and some apps. Now, the, the characterization of the translation experience is that when you're on a call, I'm quoting from Wall Street Journal again here, a voice speaking another language can be translated audibly in real time. When you type meeting notes and add documents to the notes app, AI will summarize and organize them for you. Then in the photos app, you can move around a subject and AI can regenerate the missing parts of the photo. So it's got all these features for different things. Uh, you got the, let's start with translation. You you watched yeah. the video, you saw the demo. What, what do you think? I think we're definitely going to link this, this video mm-hmm. because what we're going to describe will sound cool, but to see the demo, it's quite powerful. And, you know, this was announced three days ago at their, at Samsung's Unpacked event. Mm-hmm. So this is extremely new. They have, besides photo editing, that's entry level, but good. You can fix crooked images up to 15 degrees. You can remove objects very akin to basic Photoshop, Mm -hmm. which is fantastic, but, you know, has historically been a desktop application. And now we're having more and more photo editing on the phone. Goes back to what you were saying about filters and, and identifying generative AI. And so you can have small changes in these photos that maybe no longer represent the truth. And what I liked about the photo aspects was that they watermark the images so that there's a little annotation that shows this has been altered. And also the wallpaper that uses generative AI to create different backgrounds has also guardrails that help that help this be an iteration, but a very practical iteration and use of generative AI. So this, I was really excited about that, but oh, the live translate. This is this is akin to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, Babblefish. I mean, this is a game changer. I, I say that because I'm excited about the implementation of the technology. Is there some latency? Yes, but not so much as to be unuseful. Mm-hmm. I think this is a great step forward. There's also some really important on-device processing. So this is what I've often talked about in terms of what's great for Apple. Yeah. How does Apple really use LLMs to support their privacy oriented uh, brand. So Samsung, for many of these these translation applications, you don't need to be on Wi-Fi. You can do these processes offline, and then you could send messages when you're back online. So what does this include? Real-time translation. Mm -hmm. And that's if you're in a voice conversation. It also has real-time text translation. 
and the this translation is within the keyboard so it has grammarly under the hood as well as grammarly style detection and tone suggestions notably they have a shakespearean tone when your vibe is I did like the tone, <laughs> the tone it. feedback. It's the kind of stuff you get from like Grammarly or a similar source when you're exactly. right, getting feedback on, you know, how do I, how can I make some creative edits that have a impact on, you know, the, the mood and like you said, tone of, of, of the yeah. writing, right? You want to be confident, you want to be persuasive, yeah. you know, what have you. You want to be direct and maybe the way that you're wording something is not coming off as direct. Hmm. I mean, there is a, regression to the mean of what is good writing but i think showcasing to a user hey this is how you appear can be really valuable especially in a professional setting Mm -hmm. so i I think that this is very valuable from like a concierge or traveler's perspective because one of the again via the video one of the applications shows that you can the screen splits and so you could literally put your tablet or phone between two people and have the directionality of the messages be so that one person standing across from the other could read in their language on their side and the other person that's an amazing tool for travelers um, if you imagine like traveling for if you like get short notice you're traveling to a new country for business that's that's a total game changer and a fantastic feature if it works as as it's depicted here as demoed. Yeah, I, I definitely will be messing around with a, a friend's phone in the near future. Yeah, so and, a, and a relevant... I'm excited about this. Yeah, it is cool. I, I was going to say a relevant piece of news from the past week or two as well is the fact that last year's numbers are in for phone sales. And it was the first wow. time in 12 years that Samsung fell behind Apple as the number one seller of phones in the world, which is a remarkable end of an era for that. And it's interesting because, well, I'll read straight from the Guardian coverage. Apple has overtaken Samsung as the world's top smartphone seller, ending the Korean tech firm's 12-year run as industry leader. The iPhone took the top spot in 2023 with 234.6 million units sold, according to figures from the International Data Corporation overtaking Samsung's 226.6 million units. And it's it's worth noting that this is more a result of the Android market fragmenting among makers like Xiaomi and Google and Honor is another one in there. But Transian, Transian mentioned and Huawei of course. Yeah. In China. But you know, I see what you're talking about with them moving these things on device and that seems like a direct that seems like a move directly responding to Apple since that's what Apple has been you know, making its name for. Although I, I'll admit, I see this and I'm a longtime iPhone user. I've thought about Android switches a few times. For me, Pixel, the Pixel phones from Google have been the ones that have been most persuasive to me with their integrated features. They use all of Google and Android's strengths. But you know, Samsung, Samsung clearly has some intent to compete here. So what do you think? Yeah, I, I think that this 10 million more devices sold in 2023 seems like a pretty narrow number Mm -hmm. in the big scheme of things, but you nailed it. This is really about the fragmented Android market. This is about 
the increasing popularity of high-end devices. Mm -hmm. Samsung is also doing this by saying, hey, we're bringing AI to all of our phones. Again, I have worked with Samsung in the past. They are not known for their software. This is a software play. Mm -hmm. So instead of just purchasing the bare phones, Android phone, they're really differentiating themselves in that market. And so the slices of the pie are going to be different. We probably won't Mm -hmm. know how they shake out for a while, but let's think about recent memory. 12 years, Samsung has been number one. Mm-hmm. The, so in 2010, the number one cell phone seller mm-hmm. was Nokia. Yeah. And in that era, the iPhone was released mid-year 2007. Former Windows was, phone partner, Nokia. You remember those things? Yeah. Those are great. I I mean, if you gave me a Nokia phone right now, I could I could text very well on it. But yeah, yeah, I had friends who went Windows phones. I was confused, but it, you know, there were some good. That was an interesting time. <laughs> that was an interesting time in the market. And think of how much has changed, right? So much. So I think that we're in another spot where software, AI, who wants these new devices? Mm-hmm. Getting getting stuck in an ecosystem, mm-hmm. you know low turnover once you go to an iPhone. So there's very low churn. You you get addicted to to the ecosystem. And that's what we've seen with smart devices. You know, this is this is a very interesting situation because Apple has been well established in terms of revenues and profits. But this is the first time that they've, you know, so they've been number one in revenue, been number one in profit in the cell phone space. They have not yet been number one in, in volume. Let's Let's underscore something too that I don't want to walk away from too too quickly that you just said, which is the fact that this is so much a software play. Because yeah. one one other dimension of this cell phone sales thing is like the hand handset units sales globally has the growth has plateaued a bit the last last couple of years, right? It's not the growth opportunity in new unit sales that it once was. And in tandem with that, you'll you'll recall a couple of However, I'm 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 hard pressed to say which year it was, but you'll know what I'm talking about. Remember when Tim Cook said that Apple was turning to become more of a services company, right? Yeah. And I think that was very much in anticipation of this happening with this 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 growth plateau in in unit sales. In today's context, with AI as pretty much the definitive technology underpinning a lot of these new software releases and f- software related feature releases. It seems like that, I don't know if that's, if, if the idea here is that the opportunity is really going to be to sell more services and expand what people are paying for what they do on their phone through that. And that that's going to be where new sales are generated. Now that said, you know, Apple made that announcement and now they're releasing this, you know, multi-thousand dollar headset this year for, uh, augmented reality. We'll see how how well that does. Uh, I, I think what you're seeing is a new arena for competing on software experience with AI at the at the heart of that. Right? Tell me if you think. I I agree. I, I agree, and I think what's interesting about Samsung's software play is that these are very much social and productivity based. Yeah. So another tool allows you to summarize news articles and translate them into the language of your choice, mm-hmm. allows you to summarize notes. And this is something that Apple has also said they are they are rolling out. They'll be talking about this more at the June Developers Conference. The ability 
from for pages and keynote to do auto summarizing and auto complete as well as you know something gen ai does very well which is lists so you can take a bunch of of text and create a bulleted list now social and productivity those are themes that are very much in the user's hands mm -hmm. we can say abstractly oh enterprise use case or or b2b consumer play mm -hmm. these are incremental changes that are accessible. They are not super complicated, but they show real value to the user. And I think that when we talk about churn and and the different kind of user personas of the different handset mm -hmm. purchasers, this is something that helps make it sticky. It sounds it sounds like it you could. Know, the, yeah. Yeah. These are these are very expensive computers that we have in our pockets mm -hmm. and maybe they they don't need to be. Or there's a different way that we can optimize for generatives as productivity tools and not necessarily just for generating, you know, new, I, I view Ch chat GPT as very much an entertainment yep. tool right now. And novelties. I, and I novelty is the word that my brain yeah. would fill in the blank there for you. Generating novelties, yeah. which we've seen a lot of and yeah, very entertaining. And yeah. Which, which is, which is great. And it really makes us think and expand and, and say, Hey, how can this be a bigger how can this affect our lives in a way that's really tangible? And I think this bridges that. Yeah. Well, let's, I'll shift gears into the next one. I actually set out when I was picking the recommendations for news today, I didn't think that we'd be doing all big tech companies on the front end. Well, I guess Apple is the one, the last one. Samsung is maybe the exception to this, but I didn't explicitly go out to only discuss these GAMAM companies in the, in the front half of the episode. But Google comes up in this next one, which I, I don't know if anybody read this article that was on 404 Media, and it raised this, essentially somebody wrote into them and saying, hey, why is Apple, or excuse me, why is Google in their search results on Google News lifting up articles that are clearly written by AI, right? I, I don't know that there was, this has been an issue that came up earlier where it looked like, you know, content generated by AI wasn't going to, by nature, rank well in Google's algorithm on the main search page. So I think that the question was being raised, why is it appearing at the top of my search results for Google news? And there was a response from a, a search liaison is the title they used during the article is the guy's name is Danny Sullivan at Google. And he responded to the examples that were brought up pointing out that I guess in, in Google news, you know, some things can be put up top due just due purely be due, due to the time and date they were published essentially. And he said that that was why these things were up top. But he also, I'll quote directly from the response here, said, our focus is on quality of content, not production. This shouldn't be misinterpreted as if we've granted a free pass to churning out lots of low quality content. It isn't, and doing so is against our policies. However, the response also seemed to indicate that they don't consider the way a piece was produced to be indicative of a lower quality. So it seems as if there is weight that you can potentially gain for AI generated content, even if that's how it was made and that Google doesn't really take a stance on quality because of, because of that factor of how on it was provenance. And provenance. Yeah. yeah they don't care about provenance. Yeah, yeah. They, okay. So this is really interesting, Brian, because they're Danny Sullivan at Google kind of issued a, a bit of a hand wave mm -hmm. said, Hey, we focus on quality. Okay. 
quality is such a hard measurement Mm -hmm. because this is a human judgment about the goodness of what you've you've retrieved right is it natural does it answer your question you know so there are all these questions and if it sounds artificial i'm sure that that would be negative in the quality Mm -hmm. department now google they also say we're not we're not boosting this this generative generative ai content but we don't care about the provenance and one of my predictions in late 2022 for what was going to happen in 2023 was a reduction in Google search result quality due to generative AI. Mm-hmm. When generative AI becomes ubiquitous, people aren't going to care, pardon me, many people aren't going to care where it came from, but you will see a degradation in quality. And I think we can understand from a scale and network page rank algorithm model, how this can happen. And I respect the fact that they care about quality kind of abstractly. I think that this isn't the first situation where people have discussed in passing that Google search quality seems to be going down. Mm -hmm. And it's not a surprise. And it's an interesting time for that to be happening as Microsoft is upping its own search game with Bing and its OpenAI capabilities, which we'll get into in a few minutes, too. And speaking of Microsoft, that's probably a good opportunity to go into our next story, which is, we'll link to Politico here on this. And the story is from January 19th here, Justice Department and FTC are both trying to figure out who gets jurisdiction over open AI. The the report says that these two entities in the government are working out whose responsibility it will be to investigate open AI, whether when it comes to something like, you know, data scraping accusations that, you know, some com- media companies and IP rights holders have for their content that's been used for training open AI's AI models. And, you know, the key paragraph here that I found too, because we all know, you know, Microsoft is, is a very tight partner with open AI and has invested a bunch of money. Key paragraph. Companies must report most deals for review by federal antitrust regulators, but Microsoft and OpenAI did not. Microsoft maintains it does not exercise any control over OpenAI, which is a limited for-profit company controlled by a nonprofit organization. That lack of control has been called into question following Microsoft's role in the rehiring of OpenAI CEO Sam Altman days after he was fired last year. So it all comes back to this again. And to me, this is a fascinating illumination of some of the steps Microsoft has taken in setting up this deal to be able to argue in public persuasively that it's not taking too much control here. It's not engaging in anti-competitive behavior. For years since the famous, uh, infamous now you know, Windows hearings in DC when Microsoft became the you know the target of some of the fiercest anti uh, monopoly monopolistic, monopolistic yeah. action the government's taken in in the last you know half a century now you know for the last couple of decades they've really eased off and tried to you know active actively portray themselves as not engaging in monopolistic behavior and doing taking action that would minimize the likelihood that regulatory action would getting would get taken against them and now we we see them coming up against potentially a a trigger for more action here. 
to me, that's yeah, what's most interesting. They've been, about this. they've been trying to fly under the radar. Those of mm-hmm. us who've been in the tech scene for a couple decades can can say it really has been an interesting path that mm-hmm. Microsoft has been on because they were really kind of a straw man for everything that was evil about tech for a while there. They were they were brought to court for good reason and it was a long drawn out case. They but it became a benchmark of how the government and, and Europe, how mm-hmm. European regulators really attempt to control the digital realm. And especially with, with the ubiquity of Microsoft as as an enterprise desktop solution, mm-hmm. they they have incredible reach. So I, I, th- I think that that journey was, was a good one, but obviously one of their learnings was do not attract attention to ourselves mm-hmm. because, you know, we found our, our way forward and we're going to stick on that, mm-hmm. that path. So I think it's very interesting that, and, and I'm not convinced that, that who does get jurisdiction. I think that this is an incredibly dynamic situation because I look at the open AI drama mm-hmm. and I think, well, maybe that shows that Microsoft didn't have as much control. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that can be interpreted both ways. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to, to flash back for everybody, you know, Microsoft did not take a board seat at OpenAI as a part of their investment. So they, they did not have an active voice on, on, in the, in the company there. You'll recall the. They were the, surprised. Yeah. They were surprised. The, they did the, offer everybody jobs. They said they'd be more than happy to welcome everybody from OpenAI onto a mic, Microsoft team. Which was a reminder that it was a different company. Mm-hmm. Reminding them it was a separate companies, right? So, yeah, this this would be quite the conversation to see play out if that's what some kind of regulatory action hinged on. In case, uh, we'll we'll see if the T's were crossed and I's were dotted at the end of the day in terms of in terms of what would need to happen. But yeah, interesting story. OpenAI has investment from several other of the gamma, mm-hmm. and I I see this as m- maybe an opportunity for new regulation being written, as opposed to this the FTC being able to fit this into an, an existing antitrust mm-hmm. situation. Brian, you and I have discussed how many new crimes you can commit. <laughs> we are not particularly uh, criminally insane, but there is an obvious low-hanging fruit with a lot of AI tools to commit crimes. Mm-hmm. And while we as, as community members may say in, the, in our social contract, these are clearly criminal, legally, they are not defined on the books. And so we're going to be in watching as, a, as new crimes are defined. And this is, of course, going to take much longer than to implement than the, the what is it? Time to market. What is it like? Prime to market. Prime to market. We're gonna patent. <laughs> you know, so we're really we're 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 creating some rich new entries for the style guide for this podcast. Neo neologisms <laughs> a go go. Yeah. So so this this is a catch up. Yeah. Simply catch up. Can I just say I I want to make the fingers right now because you could not have brought up a better point to transition into today's game of two truths and let AI, which is crime themed. I I want to point out for you. Completely coincidentally. We're ready now for our mid-episode weekly game of Two Truths and Lay AI. I apologize for it having been on hiatus during episode 11. 
we don't need to get into why that happened, but it did, but we're happy to be back. Two Truths and AI for everybody listening for the first time is our game on here where I come to Sarah prepared with two real articles and one fake AI written article that she has to listen to and then decide which one has been generated by AI and call it out. So far, she has a fantastic record. She's only lost twice at this and all of the episodes we have done it. Today, I've come back and am going to test her once more. Are you ready for this week, Sarah? Bring it, Brian. All right. I'm ready. Wonderful. And I will include links to the original sources for these wonderful articles and name at the the end of the competition this week where, where the real news came from. Story number one. Warning, how criminals are hacking your children's social media using just three seconds of their voice and turning it into a terrifying AI scam to trick parents. Criminals are hacking children's social media accounts and cloning their voices using AI to trick their parents into sending them money. Even the most basic scammers are using simple AI tools online to turn just three seconds of a child's voice into deepfake audio files with an 85 to 90% match, security experts have warned. With more effort spent on cloning... Hackers can achieve a 95% voice match, research from security firm McAfee shows, leaving parents at risk of being exploited by ruthless fraudsters. One TikTok influencer with nearly 400,000 followers on TikTok revealed how her mother was woken up in the middle of the night from a call to a call from an unknown number. When she answered, it was her daughter's voice, which had been cloned, screaming for help. It comes as fraud experts issued fresh warnings over the latest high mum texts when, excuse me, where scammers prey on our goodwill with emotive stories and con parents into thinking their children are in trouble. All right, that's number one. Here's story number two. Hi, hi, mum, H-U-M-U-M. That helps. Thank you. Taylor Swift's strange LaCrucet giveaway confirmed as AI scam. This latest AI scandal might be the most absurd I've seen so far. In a recent ad circulating on social media, pop star Taylor Swift was seen promoting a giveaway for La Crucet Cookware, a collaboration that the brand has since denied. While AI can help improve our lives, rapid artificial intelligence advancements also allow deepfake scams to become increasingly sophisticated. So to clarify, no, that wasn't Taylor flogging a few spare casserole dishes. It was deceptive and slightly ridiculous. It was a deceptive and slightly ridiculous AI scam. This latest AI scandal might be the most... Oh, sorry. Yeah, that's the end. Cool. Here is... I, two two things that most Americans like, Le Creuset and Taylor Swift. I'm sorry, I got the... Yeah, I, I had, two great tastes that taste great together. I'm not endearing myself to French speakers with this podcast in any way, shape, or form, I can it, tell. It, it, no, no shame in that game. We need a Samsung Galaxy AI to uh, help. It'll help. All right. Number three, McScam. AI culprits trick McDonald's system for sweet heist. McDonald's has fallen victim to a scam at its U.S. restaurant locations after individuals leveraged artificial intelligence to exploit a loophole in the fast food giant's online ordering system. The elaborate operation, which specifically targets McDonald's restaurants, involves a sophisticated form of AI, which was used to create and inject codes relating to a promotional campaign to score free ice cream. The scam exploits a specific vulnerability in McDonald's systems, allowing scammers to place ice cream orders for in-store pickup without making any payment. 
Sources close to the investigation reveal that this AI-executed fraud has been quietly undermining McDonald's for an undisclosed period of time. McDonald's spokesperson, Lisa Johnson, assured the public that the company is actively investigating the matter, stating, We are working closely with law enforcement to identify and apprehend those responsible for this fraudulent activity. Our commitment to the security of our digital systems is unwavering, and we are implementing additional measures to thwart further exploitative, excuse me, to, to thwart further exploitation of our services. Um, those are your three. Can you, can, yeah, can you repeat the sentence that in McScam, AI executed fraud has been quietly, what was that? Let me find that sentence. Sources close to the investigation reveal that this AI executed fraud has been quietly undermining McDonald's for an undisclosed period of time. I like that. Quietly undermining. Okay. I, I think it's number one. I'll tell you why. Taylor, I know this, the Taylor Swift, like Crusade. That was, oh, yeah. That's, that's no. Did you watch yeah. the video? How wild is that? <laughs> no, I didn't. I, I did uh, not watch the video. We'll, we'll include a link. We'll include a link. Yeah. I was more of a thumbs up. Okay, so I know that's true. And I don't like that sentence, AI executed fraud has been quietly undermining. Mm-hmm. I don't like that sentence. But there's bad language out there in human written. Yeah, written but I like, but I, I like the formality of the uh, McDonald's. That was a correct formality of their PR person. Yeah. And what I like about number one as being incorrect is I really think you need more like seven seconds mm-hmm. of voice data. But I like the high mum, which was maybe we're trying to use, like, use British voice. But I, just the phrase ruthless, ruthless fraudsters. So either this is from yeah. the Daily Mail yeah. or it's generated by AI. And yeah. it could be both. Oh my <laughs> so God. number one. First of all, this is my third win. And I, I, I am very yeah. excited about this. <laughs> Second of all, it is a Daily Mail. <laughs> Number one was a Daily Mail. I so can't tell I you how many wrong, times I'll, per week I'll I go it. in and find a Daily Mail story. And I'm like, oh. hey, given the things that have that have like clued her in to the AI stories in the past, I feel like there are a lot of false positives just waiting to be With the Daily Mail. in this Daily yeah. Mail copy. And sure enough, I, maybe it's because they do these like, you know, sentence long headlines Maybe it's because they're so wordy. Maybe it's because sometimes they editorialize in the most weird way. They the do. ruthless fraudsters <laughs> is that even considered news? You can't say a ruthless fraudster. I mean, you you got to dance around that, right? I think my my new Samsung Galaxy AI would say editorializes. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Thank you for giving me this one, Sarah. I pre- I, I celebrate this. Hey, I'm still far behind it, you, but we we did it. One thing I wanted to add to it this. It is number three. It then, is number, right? it is number three. It has, AI executed fraud has been quietly undermining. I'm like, mm, I give, what is this? I give ChatGPT <laughs> some mad props on the headline too for McScam. I just, so I want to, I want to tell yeah. you one of the last things I did on this was to go to, I got a really terrible headline the first time I ran this through and I'm like, this headline does not sound convincing at all. So I, I did, I did what I've, I've done in the past with, with news writers, which is, Go give me multiple alternatives for this headline. Just get me X number. I told ChatGPT to give me 10 alternative headlines. And I want you to hear what I got from ChatGPT because I love I loved some of these dearly. So there was tech awesome. bandits exploit McDonald's digital glitch for free ice cream. That's sort of the, you know, the, the weakest of them. McScam, AI culprits trick McDonald's system for sweet heist. I love the additional use of sweet culprit. at the end of that. It, it's, yeah, it's, I, I just I saw that and I had to use it. 
We have McDonald's hit by high-tech ice cream heist using AI tricks. We have fast food fraud. I love the alliteration. Scammers mm. use AI to snatch free mm, ice cream yeah. at McDonald's. Digital con. McDonald's faces AI-driven ice cream scam. McDonald's cyber siege. AI scammers hijack ice cream orders. Ice cream caper. McDonald's falls prey to AI exploitation. Tech thieves target McDonald's exploit system for free ice cream. And here's another one. I, this is this is, I love this. McFlurry of fraud. McDonald's hit by cunning AI ice cream scam. Nice. Yeah. The, the only thing that would be better if it was something akin to fraud so cold it would put the hamburglar to shame. <laughs> this is the stuff. This is the stuff I'd love to see more of. Uh, yeah, I mean, because this is the thing. It's funny, you know, having worked in news media for a couple of decades. I I have a profound amount of respect for the old school news news headline folks. You know the the old was it oh, was yeah. a New York Post article or New York Daily News? I forget which one that had the the famous one that comes up in PowerPoint presentations in journalism classes. Headless, headless, yeah, headless, body headless, found in topless, topless bar, bar. You know, like that school <laughs> yeah. of finding you know those those really great front page headlines for the you know the newsstands. Not quite there, but I'll take this one. I, I'm happy this got Congratulations. by. Thank you. I should add that the Taylor Swift piece also came from the creativeblock.com. I also suggest the New York Post for, for very generated sounding. I think the other thing that caught me up about number one is that like some of the numbers seem slightly off to me. And I think I was looking for more numerical consistency. And so it was like 95% says McAfee, 85 to 90 says that the, you know, says this algorithm. And and like three seconds versus seven seconds, which is, you know, a couple of years ago, what I'd seen, what I'd tested on, on some biometric mm-hmm. voice systems. And so, again, like errors, normal authoring errors mm-hmm. are a flag that I look, I look for yeah. when I'm trying to identify these. So that was, if that had, if you had not had ruthless, ruthless fraudsters, <laughs> ruthless but fraud. you just have those errors, I would be, I, I would have been more like, oh, well. Yeah. AI executed fraud has been quietly. See? AI executed fraud. Like this doesn't need to this could be fraud was undermining. (laughs) You you I wanna throw this out. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a random question to you that was not in the notes I sent ahead of time, but you -hmm. you probably know that the the Davos event was going on this past week, right? And I was watching a video from Nicholas Thompson, the CEO at the Atlantic, talking about AI and what people had been asking him in conversations there and what he'd been asking folks. And I saw a really interesting figure, which was he was talking to a a South Africa-based person who trains AI models for translation work. And the person told him that for training a model to be able to use a new language, the best possible approach is going out and speaking to people for 10,000 hours of recording. And he said, that is the yeah. bar, 10,000 hours. And I was going to yeah. ask what you thought of that number. Like, does that sync with what yes. you think? Yeah. And that 10,000 hours needs to be distributed among different genders, ages. Mm-hmm. But that's the that's the minimum. Yeah, minimum. Yeah, that's and, the bar. Yeah. That's the bar to hit. I, I, was, yeah. I was really taken by yeah. I thought it was a... It, it was a cool, I'll, I'll actually link to that video in here. It's on his link, Nick Thompson's LinkedIn. Yeah. And it needs to be dense, you <laughs> yeah. know, not just, yeah, there's a lot of interesting data 
questions out there for, you know, how do you bring in a, a new language to translation? I know that it sounds like we have a Samsung plant on this episode, but <laughs> that translation is only good for 13 languages. Yeah. So don't don't get too excited about about being able to use the concierge style use case in all the exciting places you want to visit. Mm -hmm. But yeah, but it's a start. But it's a start. Yeah, yeah, it's a start. So let's dive into cool. our special gamma segment. We'll call it gamma, right? We, as we discussed at the top yeah. of this episode. Oh yeah, we're gamma. Sarah and I wanted to do a little bit of a deeper discussion today about what's going on with AI at the five biggest tech companies in the US, right? We, we talk a lot about OpenAI, which is directly connected to Microsoft, as, as you all know. But one of the things we've discussed is these you know, cloud companies, the hyperscalers, as we've referred to, to them before. But you know, we, we've touched on Apple and why it's a little different, and that comes up frequently. But I thought it'd be good to, for everybody, if you've been part of this conversation since the beginning of this podcast, for us to, to bring up what's going on at Google Alphabet, what's happening at Amazon, What's happening at Facebook Meta? What's happening at Apple? And what's happening at Microsoft? What's the same? What's different? I one of the questions, two the, the two questions I really wanted to get to with these at the end was who's in the best position right now and who's also the most vulnerable among these companies? Because they don't always have they don't all have the exact same goals in front of them necessarily. The strategies vary, but there are some key battlegrounds that are going to matter most at the end of the day for them. Right. Exactly. And we're going to talk about some of the themes, strategies that, that have been evident in the past. But what's important about making a couple comments now is that next week, I believe it's next Tuesday, and then for the following week, there will be quarterly earnings reports from the Gamma for Q4 2023. Mm -hmm. So this may give a little bit of context to then interpret what is being said publicly mm -hmm. by these publicly owned entities. Well, of course you don't get everything, mm -hmm. but it might just help interpret yeah. what are what are some of the themes those earnings mm -hmm. do show. So why while we do not and will not give you investment advice, what we will do is no. flag some <laughs> of the things to listen for as they're talking about what's happening in their business right now in these earnings reports. So exactly. let's bring let's let's bring up Alf, Alphabet and Google first of all, right? And this is this is an example of a major cloud provider. They they have an interest in preserving and if not expanding their their cloud services and and the number of customers, the number of enterprise seats that they have being served there. They also face a challenge from Microsoft on search and that's that's notable. They've it's new. Yeah. No, Bing Bing search that was a to be to be kind, it yeah. was a joke. Yeah. No one took Bing seriously, and now we take it seriously. Good job, Microsoft. Yeah. That's been a really that's been quite a task for them to pull off. Development, you know, and and yeah. there's been period. Exactly. Microsoft throughout Bing's history has made a few pushes to try to say, "Hey, here's the new Bing." You know, Bing now yeah. better than ever. Think about Bing. You know, I give them some props too in the the web browser space because the you know their, their web browsers come a long way since the Internet Explorer days. Yeah, and yeah, a, a huge part of that is Open AI and the use of Chat GPT for features that they have there. So that that's one thing I didn't I didn't say the web browser space on here, but I I, I think when I listed that out, I should have said you know this is another place where 
Google has something to lose in Chrome users, right? Um, and as an example of where they're putting their energy, they've committed up to $2 billion to Anthropic, which is a chat, which is an open AI competitor. And at the same time, some news from this past week we'll link to, you know, Google has done some layoffs and Sundar Pichai has said they expect to do more layoffs in 2024 yeah. in the interests of reallocating resources to prioritize AI. And this is funny because, you know, Google flashback to pre-November from a year plus ago, pre-LLM days, you know, pre-explosion of chat GPT, Google was the big name and Google was where, if you would have asked me any day, who's going to come out with the biggest AI announcement first and be the first to attract a bunch of users to use their, their LLM. I would have said, I'm waiting to see what Google does, right? And then everybody it's else- synonymous. It was synonymous. Yeah. It totally was. Yeah. You nailed it. And so this is where the big, they, we'll get into it later. They, the, Apple was surprised by ChatGPT, but Google also got caught a little bit flat-footed and had to rush to get barred out. We've discussed that before. But what's also interesting is the variety of places, because you know, without incumbent doesn't seem like the right word, but Google seemed like the company to beat on this front prior to yeah. OpenAI's big releases. And in addition to the places we already named with search, which is where all the ads flow and like Google's big business is at, between that and between search, cloud services, web browser use, they also have life science. Alphabet also has life sciences interest through Verily. And they also have an interest in Waymo for autonomous vehicles, which is another big place for AI. So this is... They have a lot on the table and a lot to protect here as they try to they, to grow and out and beat Microsoft and OpenAI. They do. And when you list off all of the verticals that they're involved with, it reminds me that when there are layoffs to be implemented, you know, things that are on that are planned mm-hmm. and, and will be rolling out in the next six months, one of the comments that several of these companies who've done layoffs recently have said is that we overhired during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I, In some cases, it's true. Yeah, I, I wonder. I mean, that seems to be a well-accepted excuse. Mm-hmm. But when you when you couple that with how many domains that they're active in, perhaps that's, that does make sense. Also, with generative AI development, does seem like there's an opportunity for a lot of duplication of, of effort reduction, Mm -hmm. you know, having more internal tools for the hundred plus thousand. How many people work at Google? Probably 180,000 or so. I'll check that. I don't know, including including or excluding contractors as a part of that too. Oh yeah. It's so huge. Yeah. But there's a lot of opportunity to Mm -hmm. increase efficiency Mm -hmm. uh, within this, this huge company. I mean, they have an investment arm, they have a nonprofit arm, we should yeah, state this. It came up in the episode, but they also have Android and their phone. Yes, you know, which is which is yeah. a huge product. All of these, all of this surface area, is potentially at risk in a scenario where yeah. somebody else has a better AI product than they do, and where the ad tech cash cow, mm-hmm. the search cash cow, changes that, mm-hmm. that funnel being altered. We saw what happened to Meta. Last year, when ad tech changed fundamentally with cookie reduction in, in cookies and Apple 
changing what they allowed apps to do on their phones. So I, these sea changes do happen and it's how the larger companies, they're in a great, they're, they're well positioned to adapt, mm -hmm. but I think watching the them all adapt to different trends because they are different companies that have different brands focused on different things. Mm -hmm. There's some overlap, don't get us wrong, but yeah. it's very interesting. Yeah. And, and we've seen that, you know, Google's deep showed off Google Gemini, the Gemini a, a little while and ago. Gemini Nano. Gemini Nano, yes. which is, you know, the, this is them getting into multimodal and using multiple language models under the hood for, for their AI. They also, you know, BARD is the, is the one that they put out there after GPT, after ChatGPT got released publicly and does a lot of things really well. And they've, they've shown a competitive product. It, it lacks some features in some cases. Yeah. But what we've already seen too, is that they've, they lost a little bit of market share in the cloud world to Microsoft in Q3 last year. So that, that tells me that this is an active race and Microsoft is, is surprising people in multiple ways. I, I wonder if 2023 wasn't the year of surprises and 2024 isn't the year of the real plans being executed by the folks who got, you know, put on their heels last year. And in that, yeah, the, in, the shakeout, if, the, if that's being, what happens, Google's the company to watch if that's, if that's going to yeah. happen, I think. Yeah. I Here's did read that Google Cloud had some efficiency improvements against AWS. Mm -hmm. And so, again, you yeah. were mentioning last in market to Azure, mm -hmm. which is crazy because the battle used to be Google Cloud services and Amazon. Mm -hmm. But so Amazon occupies showing... so much of that market that it's really more recently been Google, Microsoft, Oracle, right? Yeah. 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 And Oracle's one we don't bring up here. I did, not really part of the conversation in this context, but you know, uh, we should do. We should get somebody in with. We could talk about them more. That. Also, Salesforce. Yeah. I yeah, think Salesforce. there's some interesting database mm -hmm. and customer consumer facing mm -hmm. products that we yeah. could discuss more. Yeah. Well, let's. But Amazon, let's bring up while we're on that hot on that cloud topic because they are the leader in the cloud space. They have yeah. a, a thirty plus percent cloud market share, I believe, based on the, the most recent breakdown at the end of 2023 that I saw. They're investing $4 billion in an, up to $4 billion, I should say. They're committed to invest up to $4 billion in Anthropic, OpenAI's rival. You know, Like we just said, Google committed to investing up to $2 billion. So this is an area of common interest with them since, since they're doing this. Anthrop the Anthropic investment from Amazon's perspective, as I understand it, is fairly similar to Microsoft's OpenAI relationship because they want this to power a lot of what they're doing, a lot of the things, the services that are being built and sold on top of AWS. Right? They're also exactly they want yeah. they they want these these customers to have an ecosystem where they, if you if you're on Amazon and you have AWS and you buy credits there and this is your this is your known cloud provider that you have a bit of a, a buffet style mm -hmm. where you can choose your LLM but then it also works well from for Anthropic because they are partnered with the largest cloud provider and it simplifies billing to enterprises that are saying hey I'd like an LLM and of course I need to have cloud storage associated with that for compute and implementation of of the training of my specific data, so it, it makes it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, 
And let's get to a point you brought up because like getting back to voice assistants, right? So, you know, Google has their, okay, Google, like voice assistant there, you know, we have Siri over on Apple. Amazon's got its famous Alexa voice assistant here. And that is susceptible to uh, a better option available via AI somewhere else. If somebody it is. yeah has chat GPT and, and it works better for them for doing something, right? It is. And some summaries of, of what was going on at uh, Google, you know, have not talked as much about the smart devices, mm-hmm. but both recent announcements from Amazon and Apple have said their smart devices will be upgraded with LLM. So th- they're saying they're kicking the can down the road saying it's coming, but in both for Siri and Alexa, this is a known path that needs to be dealt with because these products are not as sticky as people thought they would be. It, during COVID, there was a huge belief that we would all be buying things with our voice and Amazon made a a tremendous investment in this space. But I want to remind our listeners that Amazon lost $10 billion with Alexa in 2022. We'll link you to this article, Mm -hmm. but making deep investments in natural language processing, AI experts without having, and basically giving away the, the devices for free without having the, uh, return on investment with voice-based shopping mm-hmm. has been, or advertising has been very, they've mm-hmm. had tons of layoffs mm-hmm. in this, in this space specifically. So to come back around and say, Hey, we're going to upgrade our smart devices. They're also floating, perhaps having this be a subscription. Mm-hmm. So if you want more, you're going to have to pay more. That's a bit, that's a great point. And I wonder, I wonder where we end up with there. We should, Note too that correct me if I'm overgeneralizing here, but the reason they were able to lose that much money on Alexa is because AWS is such a cash cow for them that funds so much of the rest of what Amazon does. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. This is think of think of AWS as their and shopping Mm -hmm. as their search Mm -hmm. Google's Google search. And, yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, over at Meta, this this is actually timely. I mean, it's, it, there's always timely news about all these companies in AI these days. We could we could just do an AI and fill in the blank Amazon Alphabet yeah. podcast and and probably not lack things to talk about. But uh, Mark Zuckerberg posted a video on Facebook and. This was from Thursday of this past week. He said, our long-term vision is to build general intelligence, open source it responsibly, and make it widely available so everyone can benefit. And in doing so, he kind of addressed something that we've discussed before, which is, go back to that Stanford Transparency Index that came out. Llama, back in, they're training Llama 3 at Meta right now, I understand. Llama 2 was not necessarily the most robust of the models on the table out there right now, but it was one of the most popular because for for use in certain cases because of its transparency and open source nature, right? Am I characterizing that correctly? Yeah. 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 You know, it created a sandbox where a lot of folks could work and a lot of uh, fine-tuning and innovation could happen in the broader community, right? Mm -hmm. So we think of this siloed access 
And unfortunately with LLMs, and this is not a new problem, this goes back to predictions based on machine learning, especially neural approaches that are so complicated in their layers, you know, their transformer layers, that basically a human cannot look at a system and say, I know why this decision was made. It's just beyond our mathematical comprehension. So the problem with all of these LLMs, one of the problems mm-hmm. with all of these LLMs is we as a society have to figure out how to navigate where they should be rolled out because there's a black box nature. And having this be open sourced, having this version, Llama, be open sourced was a great opportunity to bring more people to the table. Open source has a lot of value, but there are also some challenges with open source. And yeah, this this is a model that is imperfect, but mm-hmm. but many folks are- It's better than a lot of alternatives, at least in terms of it is. standards people need needed to meet to be able to- work with, right? And competition is good in this space right now, especially as we're trying to navigate what is that balance of transparency, accuracy, energy use. Yeah. yeah. Very important. Interesting stat that came up here too in the reporting this week, as I'm reading from the Verge article covering this, that Microsoft is tied with Meta as NVIDIA's largest customer for the mm-hmm. H100, right? Zuckerberg said that the company expects to the end to end the year with more than 340,000 Nvidia H100 GPUs including other chips the company projects meta projects it will have the equivalent of nearly 600,000 H100s which is just numbers are astounding for a company that you know isn't one of the big cloud providers with all these facilities for this stuff but this is just to for its own own use in in setting up an AI moat for itself or whatever it's trying to do. Now, I, what I wanted to bring up with you is this is what's what's compelling, right? What does Meta what does Meta need to succeed as a business? They're an ad driven business. They're like Google's the main competition. They've got to be concerned about. They yeah. want they want people to be using their tools, their experiences, and they care about attention. This is where I really wonder what the winning strategy is for them at the end of the day with the best AI in use. I don't know if you have thoughts on this. Yeah. I Looking at NVIDIA customer base, mm-hmm. it's a reminder that they and the power companies are the, are the two layers of, of goods and services mm-hmm. right now that are making money. Mm-hmm. And Meta, I am not a, a user of mm-hmm. Meta products, but the folks who are using meta products have money mm-hmm. and they've done some interesting segmentation based on their different offerings. So Instagram, mm-hmm. that is a lively marketplace that skews older than it used to, mm-hmm. but these are still folks. Many people are extremely active. It's can be very useful for organizing school events. For example, there's, there's a ubiquity that, some communities find with Facebook that perhaps from a security and safety perspective might be valuable to look elsewhere for tools. But nonetheless, there's a huge audience for folks who really do use Facebook on a, on a daily basis. 
now. And then you have WhatsApp. Let's now turning. Oh yeah, yeah. WhatsApp. Mm-hmm. WhatsApp, which which made me reflect on how Samsung style Galaxy AI could mm-hmm. be implemented in a similar way mm-hmm. with WhatsApp. In fact, they did make reference that it could be Samsung made partnerships with both Google and Grammarly. Mm-hmm. So WhatsApp is something that can be can be used in a in a, a seamless way. And I and I wonder if if there's a underlying partnership with Meta. That's a that great question. Level. Yeah. Yeah. I've been surprised by Meta doing pretty well. I thought that they would consistently have to rejigger their their company mm-hmm. due to the reduction in information that that Apple was providing them based yeah. on increase. Yeah, they've really had to rethink things. I mean, and not just that. I mean, yeah. all, they, they, they've been negatively impacted by one, Apple's decisions on that front with the iPhone and iOS and what data they're yeah. able to get to power their, you know, ad the robustness of their their ad delivery. They also True. and the recommendations they're able to provide. In addition to that though, you know, this past year, you know, Meta had an incredible year. I don't have the stats for the stock in front of me, but you know, they were the poster child for companies announcing layoffs and doubling down on AI. And in doing so, they were also having yeah. to turn away as probably anybody listening to this knows from their metaverse priority augmented reality right? the augmented yeah, reality yeah. which strangely enough apple is stepping into now with the with their new maybe they were just maybe meta was too early yeah and they're you know and by the time they bring in legs the the space will have legs yeah and i just i, I see that and I, i'm like this is going to be quite the story if apple's able to succeed where facebook failed as they pivoted away and take over that space yeah, I don't know yeah. that they will. We'll, we'll find out in due time. But essentially, they've got their work cut out for them. I think they they increase their value in 2024 by focusing on AI and doing layoffs. In 2023, that's what they did. In 2024, they're going to have to prove that they made the right decisions there. And I wonder how long of a runway they have to prove themselves there. That's uh, yeah. what to watch in 2024. So Apple, and how strong their commitment, how strong their commitment to Llama remaining open for. Yeah, I know you see that. It's, it's um, funny. You know, they formed that new uh, association with IBM that committing to open yeah. source uh, as an alternative. And that's yeah. in direct opposition to OpenAI and other competitors who are taking a you know, proprietary approach where you've got to go through them and not, they're not open sourcing. And both Zuckerberg and Jan LeCun, the Meta's chief AI scientist, are both very least verbally committed to this open source approach to AI. Yeah. And, and I think this backs up what you were saying is that we have a lot of alternatives out there. Actually, this is a pretty competitive space at face value right now. So let's talk Apple. Apple's one I know I have personally brought up before in the context of, I don't know what's going on there. I don't know what their strategy is. I know they want better AI services on their devices. I that's about the extent of my awareness, right? We, we know about yes. historically not been an ultra powerful AI product. It's been a voice assistant. It does some things well. I can ask it for sports scores. I can ask it for info about the weather and things sourced from other apps. It can do that. But dictation, you can send text messages. Yeah, it's it's very 
it's not about shopping. Yeah. But let's let me bring this up and ask you. I know I, I will share a link to a rundown. Mac Rumors has a pretty good up to date rundown of the different steps Apple has taken recently. They're reportedly working on something referred to internally as Apple GPT, not a public brand. But uh, in the context of some of the other things we've discussed this episode, you know, Samsung is rolling out a lot of AI features for its its new Galaxy phone. We see. Uh, Amazon doing more to power Alexa with AI. Apple's just got a different strategy than other places because it's trying to position itself as a company that has your privacy first and it does all of the compute work, not all of it, but much of it on device as much as possible. Uh, And that's what they want you to think of. So at the same time, it's been reported that they got, they, like everybody else, were surprised when ChatGPT rolled out and now they're spending as much as a billion dollars year to compete against these companies is what's going on yeah what's going on at apple i i don't i don't know if you have thoughts on this i know that they want to maintain phone sales i know that as we discussed earlier they want to ensure that they have the apps that people are using and the software that people want on their devices and that makes them more concerned about you know google and their android offerings you know samsung as we mentioned it makes them concerned about shall we say amazon with their their assistant there is that is that where they have the most to lose well it's great that they've been doing well on the phone on the device front Mm -hmm. right now having owned and evaluated all of the major smart assistants Mm -hmm they have consistently had the best speaker. Mm-hmm. You know, I would, I would argue that they, they've been Apple music mm-hmm. first. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways that some of the rumors have talked about how are they going to implement generative is to improve playlist creation up their Apple music offering. So it's more akin to Spotify or perhaps exceeds some of the, the work that Spotify does. That being said, I don't believe Spotify is making money. They've had some problems. You may have seen the big news about them recently was that they are actually reducing what they pay out to a lot of artists. You know, not not that not that they were ever seen as particularly generous in that from that perspective. I've got one one of my dear great friends who has resisted Spotify since it came out still goes out and buys CDs because he knows it's the best way to support artists that and seeing live yeah. shows which have even buying merch yeah buying merch you know all those things and yeah. i respect that and i i respect that even more in the context of these moves for from the artist's perspective exactly. here yeah uh, yeah apple's the one i have the most question marks about because i also want to know you know is is this just for them is this purely a battle to keep people on their phones and or you know vision pros well okay so so Apple Music is something that was flagged as recent implementation, mm-hmm. feature yeah. implementation for generative. Also, Xcode is going to be augmented in the near future. Mm-hmm. That is a interface that programmers use, and generative AI could do code completion, mm-hmm. similar to Copilot. So these, this is augmenting existing apps that, that come with your laptop. Mm-hmm. And if there's a Siri overhaul, if they're looking at summarization in pages, keynote and Apple music playlist generation, perhaps we're not going to see 
much of an announcement until the summer event, which is their developers conference in June. But I did read that Apple Care support, so the actual Genius Bar, the staff mm-hmm. who help onboard you once you've bought a new Apple product, they're also looking to to support. Apple is looking to support its employees to provide better service mm-hmm. to the customers. And so again, that that's a, a theme that we've seen. How do you support internal customer care workers? Give them more context about who the customer is that you're, they're speaking to. Understand how to effectively upsell or make sure that the challenge that the customer has is quickly and efficiently remediated. I f- there's a few different things afoot, mm-hmm. but the augmented reality device is in the near future. And as you just said, hey, this is something Meta went heavy for. They changed the name of the company. Mm-hmm. How is Apple's version going to be better? It's a huge I, year for I, them. I, yeah. Yeah. I and look, also, this I think, is this is the big think, hardware launch yeah. that Tim Cook is probably going to stake the you know latter part of his tenure at Apple on, right? This is a big bet. This was his exactly. big bet. Yeah. And yeah, we mentioned a couple of weeks ago that 14 members of the iPhone team had recently left. Mm-hmm. There are other hardware players afoot who are building iPhone adjacent, you know, different user interfaces. Have we become a little bit entrenched with the current UI that is an, a phone? Are there other hardware applications that change the way we interact with search, with social, with mm-hmm. taking photos? I think that the the comment that more than 20% of the market is is in the high-end device space, so increasing popularity that is good for iPhone. Yeah. They also have leaned very much into the creatives. You know, how do you take better photos? How do you how do you augment your creative endeavors with smart, easy to to access applications? Yeah. I'm I'm of two minds with them. Essentially, I think on one level they might be the most insulated in this competition we're talking about among these five companies, right? And that's because they have such a walled off ecosystem that people are inside. And, you know, people could adopt some of these other AI tools and online uses, and they're still going to be using MacBooks and iPhones potentially to to access them. You know, the other, I guess, argument against that is that when you look at Samsung and Google and Android using AI, there's there is a potential that they're vulnerable on that front because if they lose the phone handset, then that does shift away and that no longer becomes an insulation for them. Exactly. However, I, I think as most of my Android friends would tell you, Android's often ahead of the game in features on phones, especially in this yeah. AI world. And to date, Apple's still been able to succeed despite those early those features on Pixel phones and Samsung phones exactly. that have done more than what you could do on an Apple device at a given point in time. I, it, it doesn't take long to look at social media when a new version of iOS shows up to see people saying, yeah, this was available five years ago or three years ago on Android phones. So I don't know. I To me, I think I lean toward the prior state of mind, which is they might be the most insulated in this, but I'm still curious to see what the futures do. But 
Their customer base also tends to skew more affluent, older, mm -hmm. the folks who might have more challenges with emerging applications or features mm -hmm. if they aren't super well implemented. You know, this they're a very good product company. Yeah. Well, let's... Let's and let's do talk. I think this is a good transition because it, part of that argument about their insulation with like you know people are still going to be using MacBooks for this. The competition, you know, other all due respect to the Linux folks out there, the the big competition to yeah. Apple's computers is Windows laptops. I mean, we have yeah. we have Chromebooks too, but as an operating system, Windows is is the big competition there. So that stands to benefit. So on that note, let's get into Microsoft, which I purpose. I purposely kept them last because we talk about them the most. Also, they're at the end of Gamam and Gafam. Even like, no longer at the end of we <laughs> no, we're doing Gamma. Gamma. I know we're doing we're Gamma, doing Gamma. Yeah. but <laughs> I, I thought it made sense to talk about them last because they're the most discussed yeah. because of the OpenAI exactly news the last few months partnership and their partnership yeah. there. So widely documented, they boosted their cloud capabilities as we've already talked about. They've they've gotten market. They've gained market share. They have gained in search competitiveness, thanks to OpenAI. You know, however, as we discussed at the beginning of the episode, they may be attracting regulatory scrutiny now as they try to reach out and improve these capabilities. And that follows an era of relative calm for them on the regulatory front, following the year, the decades after the Windows hearings. So it does. You know, but let's and let's also say. This past week, Microsoft overtook Apple as the most, world's most valuable com company on Thursday. That was the first time since 2021 they've gone back and forth and jockeyed for that you know top market position, with, position. with Apple. As of this weekend, they're both at about $2.96 trillion in market cap each. Nothing to scoff at. But I would, I would say, from my perspective, I think Microsoft they both have the most to gain and are particularly vulnerable this year because they got the early advantage of step. They got the early wave of boost to their Microsoft office Bing, apps, co-pilot, co all of this stuff exactly. in the first year of open AI's chat GPT public release. So to me, that's, that's where they stand. They got, they got the first mover advantage on a lot of this rolling this out. But as I said before, I think 2024 is the year we get to see if Google can catch up, if Amazon can catch up. And also we get to see what Apple's planning with this billion dollar a year investment in AI. Yeah. How long is this Microsoft bump going to last? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, $2.9 trillion is nothing to, to laugh at. That's very impressive. But they have, as we discussed when we, we spoke about the OpenAI debacle, they are a staid enterprise company who provides services to other businesses. Mm -hmm. Their concern is going to be implementations globally that are secure and predictable. Mm -hmm. This is not a company that, that has historically made its reputation on dynamic and pivoting. You know, they, unlike, say, Google, they have a, a very mature product support uh, customer engagement arm where they're not deprecating research projects that, you know, have been beta tested. They're, they're very measured. Mm -hmm. And the 
future, how quickly the future of, of this space in terms of, you know, who's in the best position might have to do with how they can parlay that trust with larger businesses to choose them as opposed to other LLM uh, ecosystem players, mm-hmm. right? If you're already using Microsoft and you like their partnership with OpenAI and the Azure costs make sense to you, they could be, you, you could be upsold there. You could be, you know, cont- a continued customer, but is that enough to off to to pay for this investment mm-hmm. in OpenAI. This has been a huge investment. And one story I, I followed this week was how the uh, Russian state-sponsored hacking group, hackers, Russian state-sponsored hackers, did an email spray campaign. So they basically sought, by using common passwords, yeah. access to high-level management emails mm-hmm. and specifically did get many folks emails and emails with attachments and microsoft has a target on its back because it is used so heavily globally so if you can find a way to hack a microsoft product you have a larger market that you can infiltrate but this specifically was management at microsoft and the goal was to do opposition research for these hackers to find out what Microsoft was doing strategically to mitigate them moving forward. Mm -hmm. So I thought this was a very interesting angle Mm -hmm. on how hackers view the threat of Microsoft and Mm -hmm. how Microsoft has such a broad role Mm -hmm. digitally that it really has to fend off folks in every, you know, this has geopolitical aspects, right? Like there had been some known cases of this hacker group taking hospital data hostage and and what have you. But this is a really important issue that they have had to deal with. Mm -hmm. They will continue to have to deal with in addition to how do we make our investment in open AI make money? Yeah. Well, let me, let me flip that question around then who do you of all these companies and is Microsoft your answer who do you think is in the best position in 2024 in the AI race of these five I I want to say goodness I want to say Apple because I'm waiting for them to surprise me <laughs> and yeah and you can define best position in a variety of ways right I I would say if you're defining best as the safest for yeah protection best insulated best moded a- apple apple could I, I could see apple fitting that definition i'm going to argue that i really think amazon might be the best overall and i think they just have a relentless dedication to the aws business and all of the like least sexy things that get built into that huge stack of technology and apps, in the infrastructure, yeah. and it's, you know, with, yep. with with enterprise folks in mind, and all of the all of the other layers of business they have built into AWS, and they have they have AI knowledge underpinning that. I, yeah, you know, I, yes, I do think they're vulnerable if some better stacks of tools emerge in their cloud competitors. I would probably say. You know, if I it, they seem to be the best position to gain on top of what they have while preserving what they have. That's that's my view. 
I, I could see some. I, I agree. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I want to be surprised mm-hmm. by Apple, and I'm really glad that Samsung showed this on-device mm-hmm. processing could be done. Mm-hmm. It exactly how I envisioned it. It is secure. It it's such a a step forward, mm-hmm. and I'm looking forward to Apple's implementation. But Amazon has been playing a very fierce, actually, I'll say ruthless. Mm-hmm. They've been playing a ruthless game of pricing mm-hmm. with AWS that has an advantage of they have familiarity as well as you know existing customers mm-hmm. who are using their their cloud space. Mm-hmm. If you looked at the ecosystem and said, "Hey, I'm open to experimenting with different LLMs." You know, think of Pulse AI, who who chatted with mm-hmm. us a couple months back. If you were kind of tasting the the all of the the options at the buffet, you still might use them as your cloud provider. And they've created a marketplace that supports that kind of mm-hmm. bring your own model mm-hmm. approach. Yeah, and I I note for everybody listening that you know when we're saying best positioned. The, that's not the same thing as saying who's going to have the most powerful AI or who's going to have, or who's going to reach, you know, general, whatever you want to call it. I, Artificial intelligence. intelligence right. <laughs> by whatever definition you apply there. It's, it's not necessarily applying that standard, but from a technology quality and business standpoint, I, yeah, that's where, that's where I come down on this. I, I would say Amazon. Who do you think is the most vulnerable? That's a good question, but let me also mm-hmm. add that Amazon, like Google, has gotten a little bit used to the layoffs, mm-hmm. and so they they have a very, you know, when we talk about ten billion lost with Alexa in twenty twenty two, it also shows that they measure, they are have a culture of thrift. Yeah, they do. Apple does as well, mm-hmm. but they have a culture of thrift that it shows that they're very willing to pivot. Mm-hmm. Okay, who is the most to lose? And again, this can be defined in a few different ways, but yeah, I, I don't, I, I wonder if, I wonder what sort of cultural blow it could be to Meta if Apple does knock AR out of the park. Mm-hmm. That that's something that I, I think has some some weight. I wonder if Microsoft is going to plateau. Mm-hmm. That's a concern of mine. And then I look at Google and wonder if the cash cow that was ad tech. If that is just never going to be the same, and that they they might start evolving into a very different company. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I'm going to say, or several yeah. smaller companies. Yeah. you know that might that might take that might save them some money from a well. That's a that's a whole different discussion too. When you look at the regulatory yeah. issues they face on the horizon, that that's absolutely yeah. a possibility. And and a whole other topic. You know, we didn't really talk about the role of regulation in strengths and weaknesses. We've had discussions about regulation in past episodes, but that's a whole important dynamic that we probably under addressed in this discussion today. And from that perspective, Google has some vulnerabilities there. Yeah, they do. I mean, they, I think it's because as you thought of AI a couple of years ago, we would say Google, Mm -hmm. but you know, Apple is also having pushback on its, uh, watch, mm-hmm. you know, are they using someone else's technology? Mm-hmm. There, there's, there's a lot of. Even though we're kind of pitting these these uh, five against each other, mm-hmm. what we're also saying is there's outside forces that are very that have 
one or more of these uh, companies in their crosshairs. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we have this false challenge of let's look at them all mm-hmm. kind of in the same yeah. miasma, but they have these, these, uh, you know, Russian hackers and, Hey, did, did Apple steal your, your oxygen mm-hmm. monitor that they have on their iWatch? Mm-hmm. I, you know. I think you've influenced me because I, I might've said Microsoft, <laughs> right. And I think short-term, if you look at short-term gains that are vulnerable back up to a year and a half ago and things that have been gained since then, I think Microsoft's the most vulnerable for the reasons we've already discussed, which is because they got ahead of people so quickly and they really were, had some first mover advantage going there. So short-term, I do, I still would say, I, I think Microsoft is vulnerable from that perspective, but I, I kind of agree with you. And I think Google is, Alphabet is probably the one with the most to lose on the most fronts. If you look at dimensions of the business there, if you look at ads, if you look at search, they, they have the most to prove with the, with the most at stake, I think this year. And I think that's a accurate portrayal of things. Well, think about working there right now. Yeah. I have a lot of friends at Google and friends who used to be at Google. And this is a company that never laid anyone off. And suddenly they've had layoffs. They've got forward extremely layoff warnings. Yeah. Yes. They have they have extremely talented people that they've they've kicked to the curb. Mm-hmm. And the the current statement was we're laying off these folks and there will be more. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is a that's a that's it's a sea change yeah. because the folks that they were hiring were the best and brightest from grad school, mm-hmm. super smart engineers. You know, you this could be your first job and you would be there for twenty years. Mm-hmm. You know, like and then you had enough stock that perhaps you could go off and, you know, teach math or mm-hmm. like this was a a, a lifer mm-hmm. sort of position, an old school IBM. And then when IBM had all of these challenges, 20, 30 years ago, it completely changed the culture of the company. Mm-hmm. Now, Amazon is not as earnest to their to their benefit, to their alignment mm-hmm. with their culture. Mm-hmm. Apple, we have no idea mm-hmm. because that's their culture. Mm-hmm. And Microsoft, you know, another thing we, we haven't discussed is there are layoffs outside of these tech companies. And many of the layoffs look, uh, look to spaces where there's automation and AI that could be used to help the companies that are laying folks off do some of the tasks that the that the folks being laid off are doing. Mm-hmm. I, this we can we can dance around it. AI is coming for some jobs, and maybe AI is not up to the task in some circumstances. But the big companies are looking to bump their stock prices and to say, "Hey, we're willing to try." To, mm-hmm. to try this AI and Microsoft is a trusted provider. Mm-hmm. So maybe if stock price bumps is what a lot of these large companies are looking for and they trust mm-hmm. that Microsoft can be someone that they they are upsold on additional services, maybe that bodes well for Microsoft. Yeah. You're completely right. So yeah, I, I think I think the Again. place we get to is like the, you know the twenty <laughs> you know was the year of promise. I think twenty twenty four is yeah. the year of Seeing who follows through. Yeah, the big shakeout. Maybe it is is by the end of this year. Exactly. We'll see. 
And again, we are not uh, suggesting any stock. Um, <laughs> no, we are, we are not. We no, are not offering is, any investment advice in any way, any shape, or form. In, in fact, I don't have a, I purposely don't have an investment in any of these companies. So I'm, I can be extremely unbiased here. But some of the ideas we're talking about may be made more transparent next week mm-hmm. and we in the coming days when... Exactly. We'll have to we'll have to follow up on yeah. that on a, in a later episode. Well, Sarah, thank you for having this conversation. I, it's something I wanted to do. Every time one of these companies comes up, I think to myself, I wish we'd done a, a little bit larger of a look at all of them together to make some comparisons. I think this was a good look, and I, I appreciate your insights on all these. Like I said, you influenced me. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, and you influenced me as well. I. I like the surprise. Yeah. I like the great product mm-hmm. that Apple often does. But um, we, you know, the, there's so much possibility mm-hmm. and there's so many startups or so many cool companies. Maybe in a year, the gamma may not be the gamma. Mm-hmm. It's a big question. We'll find out. Nokia, yeah. number one mobile phone seller in 2010. Keep an eye open. All right. Well, thank you everybody for listening. This has been Brian Warmuth and Sarah Luger, PhD in episode 12. We'll see you again for episode Cheerio. That's it for this week's episode of the AI Artifacts podcast. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope that you'll visit us on AIartifacts.net. There, you can subscribe to our Substack show notes newsletter and discuss anything you just heard. If you like what we're doing, we'd love for you to subscribe to this podcast and rate us on your platform of choice. The show is produced by Brian Wormuth and Sarah Luger. Our visual design work is from Corey Scarin and Scarin Design. The music on the show is from Vanishing Horizon by Jason Shaw and is used under a Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 United States license.